racking up strikeouts. He's got 15 strikeouts for Flackney in this game. He's got down. That's strikeout number 16 for Tyler Flackney. This ball game is over. And we're the best goddamn football league in the country. We're the best football, the best football league in the goddamn country. Period. Cheers. All right, and welcome to our first HRL 2022 podcast. I'm your co-host Stash, alongside my other co-host Sanchez. Sanchez, how you doing? Good. How are you doing, Stash? Doing pretty good. How's your offseason been? Can't complain. Uh, the Braves are back in full force plus one. So hopefully this is the year that I can finally not pitch. <laughs> Arms getting a little uh, sore out there every year. Uh, the shoulder feels like it's hanging on by a thread, but uh, I keep throwing anyway for some reason. Like I said, hopefully yeah. this is the year. This is finally the year I don't need to. We'll have everyone show up enough that I can only throw against like one or two teams. Right, exactly. And you guys do have the pitching arms there. It's just whether or not everybody does show up. Yeah, attendance is our big question at this point. How is life in the rubber duck well, off season? Uh, it's been pretty quiet, honestly. Uh, no movement from our team at all. Um, actually the only difference that we're going to have is that, uh, Sarge is going to be more part-time this year. So daddy's going to get more playing time. So ducks are going to roll with the same squad as, uh, last year. Excellent. And then we're also joined with our commish as of this year or two years ago, right? Uh, Huck Finn, Huck Finn, how's it going? Not too bad, Stash Sanchez. Doing great. So I kind of want to ask Huck a little bit about his first two years as commish, just because it seems like it's been a little uh, crazy from some of the stories that I've heard from you since you're one of my good friends. So um, I just want to know how you got into this position uh, to start with. Yeah, absolutely. So this is my... 10th year in the league here, which is crazy to say out loud, but, um, so started in 2013, you know, slowly started to get more and more involved in the league, uh, picked up on doing the schedule about four or five years ago, started going to national tournaments, um, slowly started getting more involved in league activities, uh, going into the COVID year, the 2020 year truck reached out and said, Hey, um, we're looking for someone to fill in as vice commish. Would you be interested? And I said, sure, let's give it a go. I'm not really sure what that means. But basically then throughout the year, Chuck and I really worked hand in hand um, to make sure that, you know, with the ups and downs of that year that the league ran smoothly. Then in the off season after that year, I basically sent him, I'd say a 30 point list of things that said, Hey, maybe we could do this. Let's, you know, improve on this. What do you think about this? He kind of took that as his sign to say, you know, let's hand this off as he says, you know, to the next, uh, 
generation. And so he, I guess you could say, handed me the keys. And last year was my first full year as commissioner and just been hitting the ground running, continuously learning ever since. I bet. And I bet learning from truck, you learned a lot. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, there's things that I would have never even thought about from working with the cities, you know, scheduling, making sure the fields are getting set up, um, making sure we're ordering enough equipment. You know, there's a lot of aspects into running the league, both, you know, during the season and in the off season, you know, we'll get into hall of fame chat later, but there's a lot that goes into it. And it's, there's always new things to learn, which is great. So what has been some things that is unexpected as a commissioner that some people might not like know that goes on? Yeah, I would say that, you know, every week there's something new. It continues to surprise me. You know, I'm, I'm slowly learning that, you know, decisions that are made throughout the league, you know, you can't please everyone. You make a decision on, you know, or you push a vote for a rule change. Some people are going to like it. Some people are not. Or, you know, if, if someone doesn't get voted into the Hall of Fame, you know, someone's going to be upset. Someone's not going to be upset. So one of the biggest things is, you know, learning to take a holistic perspective at the league. And, you know, historically, I've tried to, you know, make everyone happy, but you can't really do that necessarily as commissioner. Um, something else that's been surprising even just this last year, we continue to run into situations that we haven't run into before. So for example, like new, you know, rules or questions that come into play. I think last year, the Yankees and the Chihuahuas had a situation where, you know, we had to get the brass on a phone call to say like, Hey, what, how does the MLB do this? What should we do? You know, even though the league's been around for almost 20 years, we're still running into scenarios that we haven't run into before. So continually keeps me on my toes, but it's a, it's a lot of fun. Nice. And then what are some things that you want to incorporate with the league? Like put your own twist on the league or that you kind of want to try out necessarily. Yeah. We've got a couple different things, you know, that we're looking forward to this year. Um, taking a step back, starting last year, we started, uh, we did a game of the week at the shock bowl, you know, just South of the, cities there's a really nice venue barn grill that allowed us to use a, a field that they built once a week and we're continuing to use that for the teams that are interested this year as well um we'll get into it a little bit later but we're rolling out you know the game of the weeks the live streams i think there's a big opportunity there to get a lot more you know exposure for our league for different players in the league i think our league is extremely you know diverse and there's a large set of people and i think it's great to get more exposure to the different people in the league. Um, some of the smaller things we're looking to roll out, you know, standardizing the strike zones across the different cities so that Egan and Hopkins are using the same type of strike zones. Um, Ages of the Chihuahuas is looking to bring back, you know, fantasy wiffles, kind of a spin on fantasy baseball. Um, and there could be some other, you know, potential, some other content coming out um, on the different socials and, YouTube. So it's, there's always evolving. There's always new ideas. There's a lot of great ideas in this league and, you know, this year is no exception. And so this year we're going to be looking to roll out a lot of new, new and fun content. Yeah. And I've noticed past couple of years that the social media presence of the HRL has just shot up 
crazy. I don't know if it's the new people that's coming in or if people are just more dedicated. Because I know in the past that we've had YouTube videos, but not to the extent that we're doing now. Right. And I think a lot of it is kind of the changing of the times as well. You know, you look at other leagues, what other even non-wiffle leagues, other sports leagues are doing, you know, social media is everywhere. We used to have, you know, the message board that we would communicate with. And now a lot of that is, you know, email and Twitter. It's just kind of the changing of the times that social media presence is pretty key to, you know, a league and to getting exposure. So you're completely right. I think that's definitely expanded, not just the game recaps, but other content as well. And the final question I have for you before we move on to our whole off-season movement that's been absolutely crazy this year is what city is better to play in? And I want to first hear Sanchez's <laughs> part first because I know Sanchez has been in this league since day one, and he's played in both cities. So I kind of want to hear his, and then I want to hear yours. All right. So I, of course, back in 2004 – we only played in Egan. That was the whole league. So I was driving from uptown Minneapolis to uh, Egan every week to play. And then as we expanded the league to the two cities, um, my group, we jumped to Hopkins and stayed there for quite a few years. Um, it, for me, it really comes down to you have to support the city that you're playing in. So when I play in Hopkins, of course, Hopkins is better. It has the better field, it has the better talent. But then when I switch over to Egan, you, you just have to, you know, it's like a light switch. You have to say, you know, Egan's better. You know, it's Carnelian's the best park you've ever played in because, you know, it's 60-foot fences. You can hit home runs and pop-ups, things like that. Um, if I had to stand back and do an actual judgment, I still lean towards Hopkins. I think that's where I played the bulk of my career. Um, it doesn't get much better than Valley Park for me. It's kind of secluded. You have your own area there. It, you don't have any like tire fires or car fires that the firefighters are putting on and uh, spraying you with the hoses every now and then. Hey, that's pretty nice and, in 95 know. degree weather though. <laughs> oh, I won't argue with that, but it's uh, it's a night where it's a little chill in the air and you just got that mist coming off of right field. But uh, so yeah, I mean, it depends on what you're looking for. Um, I also feel like we've, we've seen the talent skew from one city to another over the years. And I think we might be seeing a skew back to uh, Hopkins for sure, being a little bit, having a little bit more of the talent. And that might be because there's more teams right now. Um, so yeah, it's, what are you looking for? You're looking for talent. You're looking for the laid back vibe of the, the vibes and the, uh, the bears and who else do we have over there? Lug nuts. Uh, Log nuts are the big ones over there, yeah. Or you're looking to get yourself into a super team division with the like the aces and the grasshoppers. I definitely think that's that's the beauty of our league and with the two cities is that you you can find your you can pick your flavor. Um, Like for the Braves, I know this is in our off season movement section too. We're our move to Egan. The guys vote on it each year. it kind of depends on what's going on in our lives. We're all a little older now. So ease of the drive makes a lot more sense to us and what's going on. It makes my life a lot easier. I'm about a 10 to 15 minute drive from the Egan Park versus having to cross traffic all the way to Hopkins. And most of the guys live either in the South side or in central. So it's easy for them too. Okay. How about you? Uh, huh? You've done it both. <laughs> yeah. First year, this last year. 
you're sticking with Egan for now. So uh, they, <laughs> they must be doing something right for you. Right. Yeah, it was kind of a step out of the comfort zone last year, joining, you know, the vibes going to Egan. You know, I live right next to the city of Hopkins. So I'm literally driving across other side of the city. But to Sanchez's point, it's definitely, you know, a different, not to be stereotypical, it's a different vibe over there. Um, you know, you have you have the extracurriculars, you have, you know, even Sanchez, even you and the ponies, the with the lug nuts instigating, you know, different contests last year. You know, all of the all of the different, you know, side things that are going on. Hopkins is definitely more business, not to say they don't have fun, but there is, you know, I would say the depth of talent over there is is pretty great. If I if I had to pick one, I mean, this Carnelian Park is pretty new. I, I think I'd stick with Carnelian. It's torn between Carnelian and Central, but when we get back to Harley this year, maybe my mind will be be torn up. Yeah, I think you guys make great points, but for the style that I play, Hopkins is obviously the best. I've, I've only played in Hopkins. I've only played, what, five years or something like that. So I, I, I like the competitiveness um, obviously there's great teams over in Egan. I love my time when I play against anybody over there, but I just love everybody over in Hopkins. That's who I hang out with most of the time when I'm out at the rings. So I know them better, but I mean, that could change if I ever go over to Egan, but Hopkins is by far superior. All right. So for the off season movement, there's been a ton of off-season movement. I mean, we, we've made up a list and it's probably 10 deep and we probably are still missing some. Um, probably the most notable is the forming of the aces. So we have um, WebGem are teaming up with uh, Dumpy, Evan, and then Dodger Dave. Oh, and then Babyface, Baby I forgot about too. him. Yes, right, exactly. Don't forget so about that, Mike. <laughs> Yeah, I keep on the forgetting guy just about hits, him. What fifty home runs a year? Yeah, yeah, just quietly. For you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what? What? What do we have thoughts on that team forming and then coming over to Hopkins? Well, I definitely think with Dumpy and Psych Evan moving over from Egan Hopkins, that's a that's a big shift of talent coming over, and. You guys would know better than I would. That has to be some national tournament talk, right? And the guys get hanging out at the national tournament and uh, making new friendships and starting the next super team, as I call them. Wade once told me that uh, he wanted his goal was to play for a new team every year, and it seems like he's kind of getting to that. He's kind of accomplishing that. Um, yeah, I, there's a lot of talent here. I'll be interested to see the year when Wade joins up with the Lugnuts and turns them into a winner. Versus joining up with like four other elite <laughs> players. Yeah, you're Maybe not wrong with that one. Going on that one. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of curious to see how Dumpy and Evan fare over in Hopkins because obviously we've been talking about how Hopkins has gotten the transition of having the better players, the better competition. So I mean, that Dumpy had his was his sophomore year last year, right? Yep. We can look that up real quick. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure it was his sophomore year. So, I mean, he had a great sophomore year. And then, obviously, we all know what Psych can do. Uh, we just, I just want to see if he can continue at that pace over in Hopkins as well. Right. To be fair, to his credit, you know, he's 
as they say, you know, he he wants all the smoke. He's ready for it. Oh, I mean, he's yes. he's definitely not backing down from any challenge, even with the selection of his, you know, division. When we're doing the division draft, you know, he's he's not looking for an easy way out. He's definitely, I think, he's very excited to, you know, have a deeper depth of talent both on his, you know, on his team, but also play against a deeper depth of talent. And so I'm very intrigued to see where this team goes. I was surprised though, when, you know, he called me after the season got done and said, Hey, I'm looking to start a new team. I'm like, okay. And Egan, he was like, no, and Hopkins. I said, Oh, okay. Well, we'll get you on the list. That was definitely a, a shock. But now that I see the team that he's forming, I can see, you know, why, why that was the case. Yeah. And I don't know if we put them as front runners, seeing that the Mets just won the World Series. So it, does it go through the Mets or does it go through the Aces? You know, normally you got to say that, you know, all roads go through the champions. Um, and, you know, I'm pulling up the Mets roster right here. You got Taco, who is going to continue to talk a big game. So I think we have to, you know, give them some props and say it still goes through the Mets until the Aces prove they can take it over. I, I completely that agree. Said, that being said, for if we did a division draw later or in another show, I think I do have the aces over the Mets in my in my my draft. Yeah. All right. So maybe for some other Hopkins news, we got the Rumble Ponies moving over to Hopkins. Um, we have the new team, the Blue Wahoos. Um, they're do they only have four Huck? Do you know if they signed a fifth at all? Yep. Right now they got four on the roster. Um, okay. Noah, Noah Manning, Fridley Factor Hall of Famer, uh, you know, friend, a uh, childhood friend of the Wish, bringing in a slew of Fridley, more Fridley Factor players. Um, they are looking to sign, I think, maybe one to two more, but look for that team to to be competitive. Two of those players, Casey, you know this, you know, Harrison and Evan both play amateur ball, so they're they're going to have the talent. It's just going to take them, I think, a few weeks to figure it out. But by the end of the year, look out for that team, definitely. Yeah, I, I think that they could be the new Chihuahuas talent-wise in their first year. It's going to take them a while to figure it out, but they might eventually catch on. But, yeah, they, they definitely have baseball talent to have fun in this league. We'll, we'll see how well they gel, too from my under well i guess noah likes to drink no i don't know Noah likes to drink um some other hopkins news is that the mariners signed taylor taylor is probably unknown to most hrlers he moved here two years ago has a good solid wiffle ball background can hawk it what 90 miles an hour but obviously you can't do that in the hrl so i mean I've seen this kid bat and he, he can definitely stick it. And then the other big Hopkins is the grasshoppers form. And that's a smallpox grizz team with more Fridley people, not necessarily Fridley factors, but more Fridley friends. Um, anybody and have and nightmare and nightmare. Yes. I keep on and forgetting nightmare, about nightmare right. because he's, cause he's signed so late. Yes. Nightmare signed. He finally comes over to Hopkins. Well, as he says, after. he's returning to his roots. As I think, as he as he put it, <laughs> yes. Back in the day, he played for the Colt Forty Five alongside of Dobbs and DJ and a few others over in Hopkins. 
I once That's... watched him warm up. He there an hour early and he was warming up at the softball field and he was throwing the wiffle ball so hard into the chain link fence they were sticking. And I was like, Oh, good. He knows how to throw right at sixty miles an hour. <laughs> Yeah, so that's a long drive. So that must have taken a lot of convincing or Tyler's going to be reimbursing for gas, especially with this time at our, uh, with the gas prices nowadays. I did some rough math when I was prepping for the show today. And I estimate that Nightmare will drive about 1,000 miles with a wiffle ball based on his, uh, I don't know exactly where he lives, but the estimate of just past Woodbury. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's looking like about a thousand miles, and if he had stayed in Egan, it's around six hundred. Jeez, that, that's still a lot, even if you're traveling to Egan. Holy! Better be driving a Prius or a Tesla. Huh. We need, yeah, we need a rail system or something. Uh, that, but, uh, that just goes the uh, the dedication guys have. You're, you're not so wrong. Well I mean, doing. we we had at one point we had people all the way up in Buffalo dra- driving down to Hopkins. So I mean, we get we get a good amount. And then Merce, Merce was driving from uh, Mankato, right? No, Rochester. No, Mayo. Yeah, he works at Mayo, yeah. or he did. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, the Yankees once had a guy who would take the Greyhound from Milwaukee for some games. Holy. That's incredible. That That's dedication and, right there. <laughs> and then who's the American? Uh, the chest hair that will fly in from Phoenix? From Arizona, from Arizona. yeah. Arizona? Oh, yeah, I... I forgot about him too he'll come come quarterly yeah exactly yeah yeah jeez all right and now on to the egan side we have the wish signing with the vibes we have the braves moving over to egan twizzler signs with the lug nuts scrabble signs with the braves does anybody have any comments about any of those signings or moves that happened Obviously, you guys play I, for <laughs> the Braves yes. and then the Vibes. So I'll take what, I'll take the Vibes and uh, Huck can take the Braves. So all I, right, my sounds good. The Vibes are that my notes on the Vibes are that the the best team in Egan just got better with the the brothers playing. I don't think there'll be any lack of uh, chemistry on that team. The Wish has got some good talent, good pitching, fielding, hitting. So, yeah, they're going to be able to vibe their way through the regular season and then straight on, just turn it on for the playoffs. Yeah, my, my only question about that team is you got a three-headed uh, pitching monster there. Is it going to be shared time or is somebody going to be sitting out a little more than normal? And then when it does come playoff time, who's pitching? Don't have to answer that, Huck. I, I, that, that, that's just the question that I, that I have with that team hey, right now. You, you start Huck in the wish. And then you've got Epstein coming out of the bullpen to close it down in the playoffs. That that works for me. Give him another different, give him a different look for the last inning or two. Now don't Not do that against idea. us if we're facing you. <laughs> Not allowed to be used while we're facing you. All right, good to know. <laughs> um, from a Braves perspective, yeah. So Josh had reached out to me uh, middle of last, well, towards the end of last year, and said, "Hey, you know." This league looks awesome. Can I get on a team? I said, hey, you know, we've got a Wiftoberfest event coming up. You should come get to know some players, um, come play. It's a great way to 
get a feel for the league. He had played in Wifflin for Wishes before, so was familiar-ish with the style um, of the game. And so came out with Toberfest and definitely showed out, pitched two great games. As far as Casey, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but leaving leaving there, I thought, you know, he was really the at the time the top newbie, the top free agent that was going to be signed because I think he turned a lot of heads with how he how he played both hitting and pitching at Wiftoberfest. And then I see, yeah, Sanchez, maybe you can talk to the process of how you ended up signing him, but I think that's a huge signing for the Braves. I mean, to your point earlier, Sanchez, you know, adding another pitcher, um, someone who can also hit, someone who's going to show up consistently, I think that puts a, you know, a very good Braves team to that next level. Sure. Uh, actually, we didn't have anyone at, um, what is it, the with the with Toberfest there. I think Shandy was supposed to play, but had to back out. I don't know if he would have given us a good review of anyone anyway. He gets a little distracted. But I think, Stash, you were the first one to actually reach out to me and tell me about him. Yep, I And was. then, separately, a few days later, I had Epstein uh, text me out of the blue, no prodding or anything and tell me about him and say, you know, he's looking to play in Hopkins. He seemed legit. He had some good pitches and he was really good at this. So we just, you know, talked it over as a, a team and um, yeah, we reached out to him, met him out for a couple beers one night just to get a feel for what he was thinking and what he was looking for and got along well enough that uh, we made him an offer and he signed with us. Uh, we're still waiting to see if this is just a big joke on us that the league has set up. Like everyone's got together after the Oktoberfest and said, Hey, <laughs> let's really take one to Sanchez. But you know, jokes on you guys. We like him. So we'll keep him around <laughs> at least for a year. I, I would say if the ducks had room <laughs> for him, I probably would have signed him right there at Oktoberfest. So I, you, I think you guys got a good guy right there. I, I've still never seen him play. We're waiting for it to, to kind of dry up before we go out and hit a few balls and do some BP. But uh, yeah, like I said, we, we hung out with him for an evening. We've, we've been texting with him a lot. He seems like a good dude. Uh, he's willing to pitch. And like I kind of mentioned at the beginning, it, even if it's bad pitching, I, at this point, I'll take it. So, uh, but yeah, hey, it sounds like he's got some skills and we're excited to see him. And one that I forgot to mention was Peanut and Average Joe move over to the Americans. So that makes the Americans bolster their hitting tenfold, more than likely. So that, that definitely puts them in the runner for winning the Hopkins Central. Uh, we'll get into that probably episode two about the division draws and whatnot. So let's move on to the winter meeting. Um, oh, I got I one was, more. I got one oh, more for you. Yeah, go, uh, yeah, you go for it. You mentioned Twizzler signs with yes. his lug nuts. Yeah, uh, she really stuck it to you, Casey. Did not seem to like that uh, you didn't sign her, um, but she immediately takes over as the Lugnuts' most talented player, and maybe even their third or fourth most attractive. <laughs> Both could definitely be argued. Absolutely, yeah, you're uh, not I mean, wrong. Some of some of us may have a Ben Franklin fetish. I don't know. <laughs> well, hey, once you have a, like three or four of those hams in you. you Franklin grows on you. You're not wrong. <laughs> oh, <laughs> all right. Sure. <laughs> all right. So on to the winter meeting. I, I wasn't there. I was on the video conference. Uh, Sanchez, were you at the meeting or were you on the meeting? 
on the video uh, conference? Yeah. No, no, I, I chopped, I picked chopped up on the way. Um, I think we had an overnight over in Shanhattan before we made the final trek to Shakopee and uh, we got there just in time. Okay. <laughs> so you can see uh, how I kind of felt about it. It's a long drive. <laughs> You're not wrong. So Hawk, kind of explain how we landed the winter meeting with the Shakopee Bull and why we chose that venue. Sure. Um, and so the winter meeting is obviously hopped around a bit. Normally we do a centralized location. You know, we could potentially be doing looking for that in the future. Um, we have built a pretty good relationship with the Shakopee Bowl over the last, you know, year or two, um, both with playing games of the week. Some of the players in the league live out there and get to go to the Shakopee Bowl on a more regular basis. Um, and also looking to, you know, foster that relationship into this year as well. And so we, you know, they had a room that we could basically have for, rent out for basically an hour or two at a time and the venue just worked out it had everything we need to sanchez's point it was just a little out of the way of the cities but in terms of the venue itself it worked out great for what we needed we had a room separate away from everyone else and we could kind of sit get in the same room and just talk about what we need to talk about outside of having you know audio issues on the zoom but i was surprised i think about 30 ish people Sanchez, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think about 30-ish people came out, 30 to yeah, 35? Yeah, 30 to 40, somewhere in there. It was, it was still a pretty good showing. Um, there were a few, but you said there are a few of the, a few of the members are pretty local down in the Shakopee area, so that some of their uh, lives and such were uh, in attendance outside as well. So, yeah. It worked for what we needed it to. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, and to me... Since I was on the Zoom meeting, I kind of felt like the meeting was really short, but this is also the first meeting that I was actually sober for, so we'll leave it at that. But um, did anything stand out during the winter meeting? I, to me, I just felt like it was the draws, and then that was basically it, because there wasn't really any new rule changes that kind of happened. I know that we discussed the pitch limit and whatnot, but that wasn't anything set in stone. Um. But yeah, I, I think it was pretty short and pretty sweet. To yeah, we really there was nothing to discuss. You know, we'll get into a bit, but there was no Hall of Fame inducted, so that also cut it a bit short as well. Um, but yeah, we really just talked about you know what we're looking to to do this year. We went over some important dates, and then yeah, we really just dove into the division draw. Nothing too too crazy. All right. And then going off that Hall of Fame voting, nobody was voted in this year. I've never actually been a part of the voting since I don't think I've qualified yet. I think this is going to be my first year after this year to qualify for voting for the Hall of Fame. But I know Sanchez, you you have a little you, you have more opinions about this. Um, if you want to dive. Yeah, into I'm it a opinionated on things. That's true. <laughs> well, <laughs> Uh, first, I did have some thoughts on the winter meeting, and you can use this if you want, or we can save it for another time. But um, I think we can do better. Um, like this year just really felt kind of cut and dry. Let's get to the business and let's go about it. And then there was some socializing afterwards. And that's what a lot of the league used to be with the winter meeting, with just a lot of the social aspect. So uh, Mike O'Dell, also known as Eddie Bauer, he and I have been chatting and kind of brainstorming on the side with uh, having really reached out to like Wade or Hawk yourself. 
Um, but I, we kind of have this idea and we're, we're trying to put it together and present it to the league office and to kind of take the winter meeting and take it from that and make it more like the HRL annual banquet and awards celebration. Now, the name may change later, but the idea would be, you know, kind of emulated after like what a bowling league banquet looks like. You know, at the end of the year, we, we may have this dinner. You have to buy tickets for it so that we know you're going to be in attendance. We have an MC during the part. We announce the league, um, the uh, league award winners. So like we would, we would sit on the MVP and all that and, and sigh whiffle for a while. And then we, we would have the, uh, you know, the award winners come up and, you know, everyone could clap from there just to make it a little bit more of a, a to-do versus kind of an in and out. So something to noodle over and maybe in the future we can dive more into uh, some of the details that we're putting together. Yeah. I love that idea. And someone had, we had thrown that idea around or that was, you know, when I had said, Hey, I threw truck a list of like 30 ideas. That was something that I had been thinking about too. I think that's a great idea. Having an award ceremony, we can, we can get so, into, you know, the offline, you know, details of it, but I'm, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. The, the only thing that I would say about that is like, how long do we want to prolong that compared to the winter meeting? Because I mean, that could definitely go into like be together, but I mean, award ceremony, you would think like would be like a month after usually our winter meetings is kind of like three to three weeks, three months after the season, roughly. So, I mean, roughly, what do we yeah. want? Would we want to wait that long for the awards? That, that's the one thing. Yeah. And so maybe it wouldn't even be the awards. Maybe it would be like, you know, here's a, another spot for anyone coming new into the league. You can join this banquet and, you know, get introduce yourself, uh, kind of get your name around. Any potential rookies could sign up for it if they haven't signed yet and um, try to get their self a spot on a team, things like that. Or, we just look at it as another social aspect to, you know, hanging out again, rent out a hall or a venue for, uh, for an entire evening and then just have our own personal space for like four hours. And if you want to stay, you stay, if you want to pop in and go, you can. And uh, the way technology these days, we could still have the zoom aspect and people could just phone it in if they wanted to. I, I, I like this idea a lot. We should probably uh, talk to the commissioner about this one. Yeah. Oh, I love it. To Casey's point, yeah. Do we, if we do the award ceremony, that seems like it'd have to be like a fall or winter to like end, you know, end of year type ceremony. And that might be separate from that. But to your point, Sanchez, I think, I think there's a lot that can be done to, you know, garner the community aspect of it and the social aspect of it. So I think that's, yeah, I think that's great. Um, On to the Hall of Fame voting. And my kind of take on it. Um, so it seems kind of like everyone in the league has their own opinion of the HRL Hall of Fame, uh, what it should be, what it should mean, and who should be in it. Uh, the way things are going, people are just not getting voted in. And I think a lot of people throughout the league, the majority, um, sees that and they're frustrated by it. So I've kind of come to the idea that uh, maybe the front office, the league leaders need to just take a step back to brainstorm and streamline um, what they want the future of the Hall of Fame to be. And that might be opening up the voting for more people, making that eligibility to vote a little easier, or maybe instead of even doing a league-wide vote, have a community committee review and have selected players to be entered in versus an overall vote. 
Uh, I know I personally am a tough boat to win over as longevity weighs heavily into my collection process. Uh, as the league is going on 19 years, the general idea that I've had in my voting has been that a player has to play at least eight full seasons. Now that might be crazy, um, but that's just what I've used. So using those rules, it really limits who I can even vote for. So that takes out some of the guys like uh, TJ and Beardface, even though had they played eight years, I would have immediately voted for them. So I think um, if we're dying to get more players into the Hall of Fame, we may even want to look into opening the eligibility up to active players. Because I think once you start looking at the overall career stats for guys who are still playing, if you open it up to like 10 years or even 400 games played, I think in the first year or two, you're going to be stuffing the ballot box with five, six guys a year. So kind of kind of take me through this whole Hall of Fame criteria to get in, because for me, who doesn't know much about it or anybody else that's going to listen to this, what what needs to be done to reach the Hall of Fame? Because obviously you met you touched on it can't be current players. Uh, what else needs to be part of that? Are you asking for who's on the ballot right now? Or are you asking who from like Sanchez's how, perspective? Who do you who no, does no, no, he no, needs just, to see? Just, from the HRL, like, what does the HRL require for to reach the Hall of Fame? So how it's currently set up, if a player has played for a minimum of five years and sits out one full year, they are eligible to be on the ballot, which some have argued, you know, this mucks up the ballot. There's people on here that don't deserve it. Um, for example, if I didn't play this coming year, I would be eligible for the ballot, similar to how DJ made the ballot for the first time this year. Um, from a voting perspective, players can vote for up to seven players, and a player needs 75% of all votes submitted in order to make the Hall of Fame. So, I, you know, Jayski made it last year. He got around 79, 80% of the vote, I believe. Um, this past year, we had two players sitting around the 65% threshold, I think. You know, a swing of another four to five votes would get them there. Um, we also had a couple more players in the 50% as well. Um, and if you do not get a vote, then you drop off the ballot. Um, there's been... You know, suggestions, arguments to be made. Should we up that threshold if you don't get 10%, 15% of the ballot? Should you fall off? Um, should we add existing players to the ballot? You know, should we have a committee to kind of be a conduit for these legacy players? You know, players who wouldn't normally get a vote. Do we have them? Do we have a committee nominate players to get in? Um, there's been a ton of great you know, feedback given even in the past, you know, couple of weeks here. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, what's the goal? Is the goal to get a large amount of people in? Or is the goal to, you know, have some criteria, make it extremely difficult? I think you have people on both sides of the spectrum. Any other thoughts, Sanchez? Well, I think a lot of it goes to we have so many ideas throughout the league of what the league should be. 
it should it be happy fun times just getting together with your buddies and having a few beers to should it be the most competitive wiffle ball that we can put together um and so some of that mindset carries over to our hall of fame boat so i think coop had some of the highest boat totals this year and um he'd been on some successful teams but coop was much more of a laid-back social guy uh, who, who brought a lot of other guys together and was known for letting the good times flow, you know, versus you know, people who are just looking at stats. Like, did they hit this many home runs? What was their OPS like and things like that? So I think that's where, you know, MLB has the same problem where there's no like set in stone guidance for the writers on how they should vote or what they should look at. And I think we have some of those same problems too. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting with how this is going to move forward because it seemed like this year out of more of the years that I've been around that the Hall of Fame has really kind of got an uproar of what sort of went down this offseason. So, so, so Stash, you're going to have a vote next year. If everything stays yeah. the same, you'll have a vote. And yeah. uh, what are you going to look for with your vote? So with me, obviously, I didn't know that I, I thought that players that have been in the leagues for forever, say like you, I thought I could vote for you to get into the Hall of Fame. So now that I know that it is not non-active players, um, that definitely changes how I'm going to look at things. Obviously, TJ is a big like person in my mind that when I look at stats, he's probably one of the best hitters that I've ever seen but he's only played for what four or five years so out of the one or 19 years that this league has been around he's only been part of five is he worth my vote is is kind of where we're leaning towards so i mean i don't really have a criteria yet i'll probably find that out once i actually start looking at the ballot but as of right now i don't really have anything in mind Welcome to the dilemma of the, the voting <laughs> process. Yeah, it's longevity. You know, you have your, to you know, last year, Seuss put a thread together on why Spoon should be in there. Similar type thing, right? What, four, maybe five years of play? Played at a high level, similar to TJ. You know, stats are there. They won awards, the two-time MVPs. But longevity plays a case, you know, who, a lot, some of these, you know, players have been around a lot longer, like they've seen these players firsthand. So it's not just looking at the stats they see on the site. It's I got to play against and play with this player. So I know whether or not this person deserves to be in. Um, so there's a lot, there's a lot of factors to go into it, but to Sanchez's point, you know, Coop, who from a statistic perspective, isn't, you know, isn't matched up with some of these other players on the ballot got, was third in voting, I think, third or fourth in voting with over 50% of the votes. So, Yeah, and then you, you start to take into consideration, is it fair to compare stats for some of those shorter time players versus, you know, say, someone like Webgem or Chops or Searles who have been in it for a lot longer, and they've, but they've had, so that means they've just had extra time to accumulate. Is it all about rates or is it about the accumulation? Right. I don't know. And I don't think we'll ever know. 
But with that, we're going to close out our first episode. Uh, we're going to try and do these podcasts at least every other week. Maybe shoot for, at, we're for sure going to do it at least once a month. We're going to shoot for every other week. Um, so next time we're going to try and do uh, what the divisions turned out to be from the winter meeting. We're going to discuss who we think is going to win um, each division. We're going to maybe try to choose our early season awards for each Hopkins and Eakin for like fielder of the year, hitters, yellow slammer, sorry, Cywiffle, all that type of stuff. So does anybody have any closing thoughts before we uh, shut this one down? Nope works for me nope good for me looking forward to another fun year all right sounds good and if anybody has any good podcast names for us i'm thinking the hrl dong show i mean it kind of fits obviously that's what our name name is for the national tournament but i mean it kind of fits no well we might have to bring we might have to workshop it yeah open to (laughs) suggestions (laughs) i wonder what happened to the ladies and with yeah, I, I can tell year. you. I mean, it, it was. I, I wasn't a fan of the jerseys, but we'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that. But with that, Sanchez, Stash, Knock, we are out, and we will see you hopefully in two weeks. One man to overthrow